The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Last week we got started with a message and didn't quite get all the way through it. So uh, we went ahead and paused uh, where we were at because it just kind of was a good stopping point. I want to uh, we'll, so we'll kind of set the, uh, the groundwork so if you weren't here last week, you won't be left out. We'll get you caught up real quick and uh, move through this word here. Uh, I want to encourage this. Like every time we come together, uh, there's a, a, an anticipation in me for something great. And I mean that, like it's not just a cliche thing. I, whenever we open up the scripture, whenever we get into the word, I'm very hopeful that something really amazing is going to take place, not just like in the church or in, in someone's life, or, but in my life too. I'm thinking like for all of us, when we get into the word, there needs to be an anticipation or an expectation for something great. I really think that is at the heart of faith and, and belief and trust that God's at work. It's not about checking off boxes or, you know, uh, uh, filling in. Uh, obligations, but this is about coming together, expecting God to do something great. Uh, so when we got into the word last week, we, we kicked off with a few things to anticipate and look forward to. We got to at least one of them, if I remember right. We're going to go ahead and just uh, revisit those because that's how we'll lay the foundation. But one of the things we're going to find today in the word is what happens for everyone. Nobody's left out of this. I mean, it's not like there's one group that it's exclusive to and another group that it's denied, but everyone experiences uh, this effect. We're going to find out what that effect is in, the, in just a moment. Another thing that we're going to find in the Word is why God gives to us. You know, I mean, when we're talking about the Word, when we're anticipating things, we're talking about God giving. Uh, even we go call the children up and we bless these kids and we let them know, hey, God loves to give good gifts. It's a wonderful thing to consider. It's very poetic to the ear and it's, it's comforting to think of that. Uh, it's true. God is a giver, and he gives. And as he gives to us wonderful things, you'll see why. And I think it's important to see why. Uh, when you can see the, the motivation or the heart behind the giver, uh, it can help uh, to understand the meaning and the purpose of the gift itself. Uh, and then a third thing that we're going to find is what uh, God gives. And I think that's an important thing to find. We all need to know what that is. So as we get into the word here, we're going to revisit a couple of things from last week. But don't check out. We're not going to stay there long. We're going to move right past those and get into uh, what we're looking for this week. So last week's message opened up with answering the, that first thing. What is it that happens for everyone? If you have your Bibles, we're going to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 7. Uh, remember, I mean, you, you've heard me, you know, say things like this before, and you're going to hear it a lot. Uh, because I, I think it's important to uh, remind when you're reading the scripture, it's important to take on the, the mindset that you're being spoken to. You know, when I read that Jesus stood and he spoke or he preached or whatever word you would want to use there, as Jesus is ministering, I have to remind myself that he's ministering to me or else I run the risk of reading the gospel as if it is once upon a time, like a fairy tale or or some kind of a, a, a fictional novel. And the reality is, this is God speaking to me here and now today. And so when we get to Matthew chapter 7, I want to encourage you to join with me in, in looking at this from the perspective of Jesus is speaking directly to me. He's speaking directly to you. And as Jesus is speaking directly to you, he says these words. 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone. Now that's a big word there, right? That's all inclusive. Everyone. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks will have it open. I mean, that's really what laid the foundation for last week's message. We, we emphasize the fact that this happens for everyone. And as this is happening for everyone, I have to ask myself, how seriously do I take this passage of Scripture? Now, when I say how seriously do I take it, I'm not asking how much do I believe in it or anything like that. I'm asking, is, is this concept a part of my life? If everyone is having this cause and effect, what they're asking for, they get, what they seek, they find, what the, the doors they knock on are open, I have to ask myself, do I apply this to my daily life? Do I examine myself to see what is it that I'm asking for because I'm going to get it? What is it that I'm seeking because I'm going to find it? And what doors am I knocking on because they're going to be open to me? Am I evaluating those things? I mean, I take this passage of Scripture and think, I need to break down those three things, understand what they are, and I need to make sure that, one, I'm asking for the right stuff because I'm going to get it, that I'm seeking the right things because I'm going to find them, and that I'm knocking on the right doors because they're going to be open to me. If I find that I'm asking for the wrong stuff, I'm going to get the wrong stuff. If I find I'm seeking the wrong things, I'm going to find the wrong things. If I find that I'm knocking on all the wrong doors, all the wrong doors are going to be open to me. So it's not about choose wisely because if you choose right, you'll get it. No matter what, you're going to get it. We should choose wisely so we get the right thing. I want to ask for the things that are, are fruitful for my life, that are beneficial to my well-being and my maturity and my growth and, and the development of my, my family, my marriage, and raising my sons and the church. I want to ask for all the right things. I want to seek the things that, that lead to that uh, productivity and prosperity. I don't want to waste my time seeking things that are empty and vain, that lead astray and bring compromise. And I want to knock on all the right doors. I want to be pursuing all of those right opportunities because no matter what, the doors I knock on are going to be open. And this applies to everyone. I love that it's not just something that's exclusive to Christians, but this is, is humanity. Whatever doors you knock on are open. Whatever you seek, you're going to find. Whatever you ask for, you're going to get it. So this passage of scripture then opens up a whole lot of thought. It's provoking, you know. I mean, I can think of things that I've asked for and, and maybe didn't see come to pass, but it's not something that is, is given to any time frame. The, the reality is, is that if I'm looking for it, I'm going to find it. If in my heart I'm looking for things that are productive and fruitful, I'm going to find things that are productive and fruitful. If in my heart I'm looking for things that are dirty and corrupt, I will ultimately find things that are dirty and corrupt. It makes me want to, to ask God to do a work in my heart <clears throat> so that I can want the things and ask for the things that are clean, seek the things that are clean, and knock on the doors that are clean because those are the things that are going to be effective in a good way in my life and not in a negative way. We talked about asking last week. Asking was uh, established as a, a state of, of humility, and obviously we saw in the scripture uh, that God opposes the proud but gives to the humble. And when you consider the fact that we're looking at asking and seeking and knocking and then receiving from those things, it would make sense that asking would be uh, at the forefront of receiving. And, and we talked about that for uh, a bit. We talked about some of the things that get in the way of that, uh, things like, like pride and unbelief and, and different elements that can resist our willingness to ask. And 
we came to the place where, where we, we paused, and now we're going to pick up with uh, the rest of the message this week. So I want us to, to come to a place where we can see something really specific. I mentioned before we're going to find why God gives to us, and I don't know if we got there last week. I want to get there now as we begin to move into the information and the message that we're going to be receiving today. You have your Bibles. It's John chapter 16. I want to look at John chapter 16. Again, you're going to have Jesus speaking and speaking directly to you. You may remember last week when we closed, we spoke about, you know, the name of Jesus. As Jesus talked about asking, he made it very clear, you know, in passages of Scripture, ask in my name and it shall be given. We talked about the name of Jesus, uh, you know, from the Aramaic Yeshua or like Joshua, meaning the salvation of God. And, and we connected all of those dots that, you know, closing your prayers with in the name of Jesus is not just some Christian habit, but rather it's a declaration that this is all because of God's grace. It's all because of his deliverance and all because of his gift of salvation. It's a, it's a state of humbling of the heart. There's no demand being made, but rather this is because of God's goodness and his free gift of salvation in the name of Jesus. We closed with that. Now I want to look at this here as we move into where we're going today. John 16, beginning in verse 23. Now in verse 23 here, you're going to see Jesus speaking again. So I want to encourage you again to consider he's speaking to you directly. And as Jesus is speaking to you directly, he would say this, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. Now that's where we closed off last week, you know, the name of Jesus, that name meaning salvation of God. But now look at this next line, so that your joy may be made full. Words like so that are really uh, uh, powerful words to me. In fact, I've, I've kind of developed a bit of a habit when I'm reading in the scripture and I see things like so that, it really gets my attention. And I think that's a good discipline to have because what you're seeing here is, is the, the reason for this action. I mean, God's doing this thing and he's doing this thing for this reason or this purpose. And what you're, what you're seeing here is, is the the desired effect or the motivation behind this action. This action is that God is, is responding to your request. When that request is made in the name of the salvation of God or in the name of Jesus, God is responding and he's responding for this reason, so that your joy may be made full. Now, it's, it's kind of one of those things you could read right past and, and not really pay attention to, but I have to stop there and consider this because this means a, a, a lot, really. I mean, Think about the idea that God is interested in doing things in your life because he wants you joyful. It's a pretty interesting thing to think about. I mean, when I think about all the things that I might face or deal with on a daily basis, all of the attempts to steal joy and to bring about frustration or anger or disappointment through the forms of rejection or, or through the forms of, of things going wrong or failures of some kind, all of these things are ultimately attempting to bring me to a place of frustration, a place where you would describe it as anything but joy. I look around at the, the culture today, and I see an entire culture, a young generation, that is so void of, of joy that they wear it on the outside. They dress certain ways, and they behave certain ways, because there's just this giving in and this embracing of the absence of joy. 
It's just a, a complete and total devotion to being joyless. And I, I'm telling you, it's really awful because the reality is God's gone out of his way to open the door for joy to not only be a part of our lives, but be every part of our lives. I think this sums it up when God's saying, hey, I'm, I'm responding to your needs for this reason, not just so that you can be joyful, but so that your joy can be made full. That's a pretty interesting way to say it. I mean, I wouldn't say it that way unless it was intended to be absolute, and I know God is way more intentional than I am. And as he's revealing this to us, I think that's a really wonderful thing to consider. And then as I'm reading that, I stop and think, well, what does that mean for my joy to be made full? Is my joy made full right now? What would my life look like if my joy were made full? Are there things that I feel empty or, or, or missing? Are there things that I... I feel need to have uh, this joy magnified in them. And if those things do come to mind, how do I get that joy into those things? And I think it, it opens up the door for us to consider a lot of wonderful things that we ought to examine in our life so that we don't live so casually, but start making intentional choices and decisions to live the way God's called us to and have the effects that he's promised. I mean, if I were just to ask, I know it's, you know, you've got the heaters on. If you're like me, this morning was one of those, hey, five more minutes kind of mornings, right? But dig deep and ask yourself this question. I mean, is my joy made full? Not just do I confess that or do I believe that or if we sang a song, I would sing along about it. But do you feel like in your life right now, your joy is complete? I can tell you there's a lot of things tugging on it the other way. There's all kinds of, of hope deferred, which the Bible says makes the heart sick, right? We've all had rejections or, or different disappointments, things that didn't go as planned. And it opens up the door for a lot of things to, to prevail in our thinking. And as it prevails in your thinking, it just kind of soaks down into the heart. And the next thing you know, you're dealing with bitterness. You're dealing with resentment. You're dealing with everything that is not joy. Now, to respond to this, I mean, obviously, if Jesus is saying, hey, ask the Father for these things in my name so that your joy may be made full, I now see how I need to respond to this. When I start to see resentment in my heart and I start to see bitterness and I hear it manifest through sharp words or anger or things like that, I now know how I need to respond to this. Hey, if joy is missing and yet God is going to respond when I ask in Jesus' name so that my joy can be made full, I need to start asking for some things in the name of Jesus. And I want to ask for the right things. God, help me to be a forgiving man so that this won't poison my life for the rest of my days, so that the anger and the resentment that has been placed in my heart through that action or that activity that hurt me or wounded me won't only affect me negatively and then spill over to my sons and then spill over to their sons and spill over to their sons and generationally be a bondage in my house. I want to ask in Jesus' name, help me to be a forgiving man, that it can be released and that my joy can be made full. I want to ask for the right things. And I want to ask all in the name of God's salvation for the purpose of deliverance. Now, Jesus was talking about asking and, and finding and seeking 
and finding and knocking and finding and all of these things coming to pass, asking, receiving, seeking, finding, knocking, and doors being open. And as we get to asking, we come to that place where we realize that the purpose of this is so that our lives can be joyful. Now the question is, how do we go about this? And that's where I want to move forward and talk about seeking for a second. We've talked about seeking in the past, but I think it's important to look at it again today for the purpose of where we're going with the message. So I want to give you just a little thought on, on seeking. Seeking is always going to, to require effort or action. I mean, you can't seek something without some kind of a, an effort or an action. And honestly, I'm really not very good at this. I get a little bit on the lazy side. And I know it's a really stupid example, but there are plenty of times at my home where I can't find something. A lot of times where I can't find something, you know. And so I'll ask, you know, Ashley, hey, do you know where something is? And then she'll ask this question, and this question kind of, you know, challenges my Christianity because it provokes me when she says, did you look? (laughs) Well, it's a good question to ask. I mean, it's a great question to ask. I have dealt with a lot of of different scenarios, you know, whether it's counseling or just working with people or even in my own life where there's something that I want and I know I need it, but yet I really haven't looked for it. I just kind of want it to appear. I want it to be here right now, right in front of me. I want it to have happened yesterday. And so I think it's a really wonderful, fair question to ask when I'm saying, hey, have you seen this? I need this. Well, have you looked for it? Now, I've learned to look because I know she's going to ask that. And so I'll, I'll, you know, now I'll be able to answer, yeah, I've looked for it. And then she asked this, did you move stuff? Which is kind of a goofy thing to ask right by itself, did you move stuff? Well, what she's meaning is, did you look behind things? Did you look under things? Did you put any effort or is your effort to look for it like you opened your eyes? Yeah, honey, I looked for it. My eyes are open. I'm conscious and I'm awake, so therefore I can check off that box I looked for. Did you move stuff? I mean, this is pretty cool, though, when you think about it. It's such a stupid example, but it makes so much sense. I mean, when I'm called to seek things, first of all, I need to look for them, and and then after looking for it, I need to actually put effort into looking for it. Have you moved stuff around? Have you looked under stuff? Have you made any kind of adjustment to what exists right in front of you in order to produce the effort that's necessary to discover what it is that you want? That was a mouthful, but I promise you, if you play that back online, it's going to make perfect sense. That effort is important. You can't have seeking without that effort. And we live in a culture, and and it's getting worse, unfortunately, where we just want stuff presented to us. Just give it to me. Just make it happen and make it happen fast. And the reality is there's so many things that we're meant to look for because the process of finding it is very qualifying. It's it's where character is produced, and it's it's where uh, uh, strength is produced. It's where all of these things that are necessary for something to be successful uh, come into existence. I've never gotten stronger without a struggle. I mean, you can go back to just really base, practical, physical examples. I had coaches that required you to go to the weight room. Well, I've been to the weight room, and it didn't make me stronger. You have to lift the weights. You know, all weightlifting is is resistance and, and, and discomfort 
and pain. It, it's, it's horrible. But if you're after the results, you have to. And, and the things that we're looking for in our lives that we know that we need to seek after are going to require not only looking, but then moving stuff. Stuff has to change in order to find it. It's rarely going to be just dropped right in your lap, but rather it's going to require seeking because that process of seeking is where qualification is developed. Courage, strength, faith, integrity. Here's a big one, fidelity. To be able to endure, to be able to hold on, to be able to, to, to produce the character necessary to sustain that which is precious. Seeking. Seeking is a really powerful thing. I want to offer you a, a passage of scripture here because I think it's, uh, it's just really helpful. I mean, it, it helps you to realize the priority of seeking. And we've used this passage before when we've talked about seeking God, but I think it's really great because it's so black and white. Uh, Amos chapter 5, verse 4. It's Amos is a book in the Bible. I don't expect you to be able to turn there real fast because it's just, you know, a few pages in an obscure spot. But it made the cut, so it's in the scripture, and it is as holy as any other thing you'll read in the word. So here we go, Amos 5, 4. This is what the Lord says, seek me that you may live. Seek me that you may live. I mean, it's kind of a, a real short and sweet passage of scripture. doesn't require a whole lot of thought or interpretation, but I do think that it is worth giving our attention to. The reality that, that living the life that God has called us to live is going to require seeking God. And seeking God is going to require looking for him, moving things, altering things that are the norm right now in order to discover the things that aren't right now. I mean, seeking is this process and this activity and this action of, of finding that which is not visible in the moment. I mean, it's, it's, again, kind of a goofy example, but I remember when my sons were young, a favorite activity was playing hide-and-seek. You know how boring playing hide-and-seek is if you go and hide and nobody moves? I actually got some peace as a father like that. It's like, you guys go hide, and I'm going to come look for you. And they come back later, and you're watching the second quarter of the Cowboys game, you know. The whole point of seeking is to, to get up from where you're at and to move to that place where you find that which you're looking for and you're uncovering and you're discovering and you're, you, you find that thing all because you have refused to just allow things to remain. And it'll never happen by accident. It always happens intentionally. Now, there's a couple of things that can get in the way of seeking and, and one of those things is just refusing to acknowledge that, that there's a God. And I mean, that's a weird way to say it, but that's how the scripture says it. Let me read it to you real quick and then I'll break it down in a more palatable way because it, it, it hits pretty hard when you just read it like this. It comes from the Psalm, Psalm 10, 4. It, it says that the, there are those that are, are wicked and prideful in their countenance. They don't seek God. All of their thoughts are, there is no God. I mean, first of all, I guess it's important to note that if you're going to seek God's will for your life, you have to believe that he's there in the first place. So step one for me when I'm seeking God is going to be to acknowledge him, to acknowledge the fact that he's there, that he exists, that he's made this a possibility to seek him in the first place. 
The scripture makes it very clear that God has made a way for us to seek him and find him. Uh, The concept of of seeking after God in our lives, to look for him and to uncover the things that might be in the way, to alter the things that might be a disturbance, is, is really one of the things that I think is a real challenge. I actually don't know that it's the hardest thing, but it's pretty hard. I'll give you an example of something that took place in my life when I was young. I remember I became a Christian, and, and I was really excited about the things that were, were taking place in my life. But all these things that were taking place in my life were, were so uh, new and foreign to me that I realized that unless I give my attention to this, it's just going to be something that I never understand. And so one of the things that I did was I wanted to seek the Lord. Well, you know, I didn't go and... and climb to the top of mountains or anything like that. You know what I did? I unplugged my TV. Just unplugged my TV. I decided, you know what? I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to read the scripture and I'm going to pray. I'm going to unplug my TV. And I unplugged my TV for a a season. It was a pretty lengthy season for for me anyway. I lived in the middle of nowhere on purpose and, and didn't have people around on purpose and my companion, that there was any other, you know, humanity outside of my little world, was that television. And I was willing to tell that television no more, because I'm going to seek God. I'm not telling you that that's how it works, or that's what you need to do. I'm just telling you that was an effort made in order to open up the door to find something different. If I wasn't going to alter my habits or change the way that I lived, I was never going to get a different result. You want to know what was really crazy to me? I would come in from work, and I remember I, I had a screen door, you know, you could hear it slam behind, back, back, back. You shut the door, and I remember walking past the TV and hitting the power button, only to find nothing, which told me this had become so habitual in my life, you know, that th- this was such a big part of my life that it had become the norm for me. And it was only cutting out that because that wasn't adding anything fruitful to my life and introducing something different that brought about a really wonderful effect. In my opinion, it's things like that that are seeking. When you, when you just make those little adjustments to, to adjust things in order to find something different, I think we like the results when that takes place. So we know that asking is going to lead to receiving, that seeking is going to lead to finding, and then now here comes the one that I think is really hard, and it's the, the knocking. We've talked about knocking in the past, but I want to look at it from a perspective Uh, this week that uh, might be a little bit different. Knocking is always about surrendering to God's timing. And, And if you were asking just my opinion, I'm not telling you this is in the scripture, it's just my opinion. This is the most difficult thing. And maybe it's just my personality. It's really hard for me to surrender to God's timing. And let me tell you something that I think is really worth noting. Timing is what makes a miracle a miracle, right? I mean, let's just take something, we, we, we sang about it, right? That God parted the seas, we sang the song, the, we, you know, the Egypt song. I like that song. But think about that. I mean, like God parting that sea so that the Israelites could pass through it is really just kind of a cool show until Pharaoh is coming down on you and it's life or death. And it's in that timing that that, that becomes more than just a cool show and it becomes a total miracle. You saved me from, from certain demise, from absolute destruction. You delivered me from the hands of my enemy. But it's really timing that makes a miracle a miracle. I mean, 
If you go and, and like Jesus told Peter when it was tax time, and FYI, it's coming up, right? He said, hey, go and throw a hook in the water. You'll catch a fish. You'll find a coin in his mouth. It'll be enough to pay both of our taxes. Pretty cool thing, right? If I go fishing and catch a fish and find a coin in its mouth, it's just a cool fishing story. What if you're broke and can't pay your taxes and you find it? Well, the timing of that makes it a miracle, right? So it's really timing that makes a miracle a miracle. And when you consider knocking, knocking is 100% about timing. I mean, asking is surrendering your heart to God. Seeking is, is making all of those changes necessary for that which you're looking for to manifest. And then knocking is being willing to wait for God to do something. Isn't it interesting that it doesn't say like, hey, ask and you'll receive, uh, seek and you'll find, and go and open up whatever door you want and go right in. Think about the concept of knocking on a door. You've gone out of your way to leave where you're at, to go to that place that you're supposed to be, and then that's it. Now stand and wait. Amen. <laughs> stand and wait. Wait for the door to be open. Man, it's hard for me sometimes. It's really a challenge because I can find that there's something inside of me that is so you know, driven to get stuff done or to move or I don't have a lot of time for this. And, and that absence of patience in that situation can really make knocking a, a difficult thing for me. And when you look at this, this is a really important part of, of seeking God and, and having God's glory and goodness released through my life. I mean, to humble my heart and to ask, to, to cut out the stuff that gets in the way and make way through seeking for the things that are productive to come in, and then to simply be patient and wait for God to perform on his end can be a real challenge. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here that I think are worth noting. And they come from the Psalm, Psalm 25, 3. It says, none of those who wait for the Lord will be ashamed. I mean, it's a really interesting way to say it. In fact, you know, if, if we were saying it today, we probably wouldn't say it that way. We would, we would say, you know, no one who waits for the Lord will be disappointed or, or whatever. But think about what's being said here. When you know you're waiting for God to deliver, when you know you're waiting for God to perform, you're never going to be let down. When the heart is in the right place through the, the, the surrender and the asking and, and when your life is in the right place through the seeking, we've cut out all the stuff that's a distraction. We've cut out all the garbage that gets in the way. We've cut out all the known compromise and made a way for all of the, the productivity and the fruitfulness to prevail. When we've, when we've sought and now we're in that right place, that right position to wait for God to deliver, as long as that is where we are, we'll never, ever be let down. He's going to open that door. He promises to. It's an interesting thing to consider. And, and when you look at the things that, that are in the scripture, it kind of makes sense. I mean, if I were to ask, hey, how many of you in this room would love to, to inherit or to walk in or to have the promises of God, the promises that are in the scripture? I mean, I think everyone put their hand up like, yeah, sign me up for that. I mean, I'm, I'm all in favor of those things. Well, here's what the scripture says about receiving those promises. Hebrews 6.12 says that it's through faith and patience that those promises are inherited. Faith and patience. Let me tell you, I've heard so many messages on faith and, oh, belief and all of these things, and I think those are wonderful things to speak about. I, I think that faith is a, a powerful and necessary element in the life of the believer, and we ought to emphasize it greatly 
and, and, and speak about it and read about it in the scripture and, and know it well and put it to practice. But I can tell you that all of the faith necessary for something to come to pass isn't worth a flip without patience. If it's faith and patience that bring these promises to pass in my life, then I need both. God, I want to be a man of faith. I want to, to believe and I want to trust in you and I want to, to be rid of doubt and anxiety and fear. I want faith to prevail in my heart and in my mind. I want it to be revealed in my words and released through my actions. I want to be a man of faith. And let that faith be equally yoked to patience. That I can be a patient man. That if I have to wait till my dying breath to see this come to pass, I'll wait. And I won't let one day go by where there would be any resentment or bitterness towards you. I know you will perform as you've promised. Patience. I think patience is very revealing as to where our heart stands on God's performance and his faithfulness. It's one thing when you know God will provide. And it's another thing when you trust that God will provide after time has gone by. I can tell you, you know, bits of my testimony or maybe bits of my wife's testimony. I know it's the risk and the danger is overexposing, but there's been a lot of times where I was believing God and trusting God for great things. You know, I wanted to see my life released. I wanted to, to minister the gospel. I wanted to be a married man and have a wife and build a family. I wanted all of these things. And it was real easy for me to trust God to provide until I had to wait for it. And then I thought maybe he'd just like gone to sleep or something, forgotten about me. The reality is your faith in God is put to test during that wait. I believe in his faithfulness and I believe that he will keep the, the promises that he makes to me. It's easy to believe that right now. It gets harder to believe that tomorrow. Harder the day after that. Harder the day after that. And harder the day after that. You get where I'm going. There needs to be a resolve. A resolve in the heart of the believer that says, Father, no matter how long it takes, your timing will be perfect. And I surrender to your timing. And I think once you can get that into your mind and in your heart, you will have perfected knocking your timing not my timing I'm not going to kick this door open make it happen on my terms and in my time but I'll wait for yours and it's then that our life is free from shame disappointment just like the word promises those who wait for God's timing will never be ashamed I'm, I'm going to close with this because of time but I, I want to uh, get to that third element that we said we're going to find and that's what God gives and I think this is important to understand because it's really the equipping that's needed to do all of these things and it's an important thing to see that God is making provision for that when you see that Jesus is speaking about asking and receiving and seeking and finding and knocking and the doors being open he talks about God giving and giving good gifts and you'll find in the gospel of Luke Luke chapter 11 that Jesus reveals this wonderful gift that God is giving to us. And by the time you get to verse 13, you see that Jesus is referring to the Holy Ghost. He's talking about God giving the Holy Spirit. 
I remember the first time I read this. I knew that the Holy Spirit was a part of my life. I mean, the moment I became a Christian, it was such a profound moment. I had been exposed in an instant to, to this measure of truth that I would have to say is just absolute. I knew that my life was precious. I knew that it was being wasted. And I knew that God had so much more for me. All of that in just a split second without any counseling, without any books, just this awareness that can only come from the Holy Ghost. But when I see this, that God is giving the Holy Spirit to me when I ask and when I seek and when I knock, I realize that this is something that needs to be a part of my life. Father, I want your spirit to be active in my life. I'm asking for that, please, in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to seek your spirit's activity in my life by cutting out all the garbage that's just wasteful and gets in the way. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to waste my time with that. But I want to seek the things that are effective. I want to seek the Holy Spirit active in my life. And then I, I want to knock on that door. Holy Spirit, when it's time, I trust that everything that you bring will come to pass. Let me tell you the things that the Holy Spirit brings. Think of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You find it in Galatians, Galatians 5. You know, the love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control is an amazing thing. It really means nothing else is controlling you. It means that guy that's cussing you out doesn't control you. That situation that's gone completely wrong and sideways doesn't control you. That situation that offends you or, or, or hurts you or wounds you or rejects you doesn't control you. I'll tell you something, that is a wonderful way to live when you're not controlled by outside influences. That's freedom and that's liberty. Anything else, anything less is bondage. And then consider the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The, the, not just the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everything that you see Jesus operate in, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and prophecy and faith and healing and the effecting of miracles and the distinguishing of spirits, all of these wonderful and powerful things, these are, are brought into our life all through the Holy Spirit. It makes me want to ask and to seek and to knock, God, let the Holy Spirit be an active part of my life today, please. Let me cut out everything that would get in the way. And let me wait patiently for your timing, for that manifestation of love, for that gift of the Holy Spirit to be released in your time so that it will be effective. Pretty incredible thing. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray over us, trusting and believing God to do something great. It's a lot of stuff to consider when you hear that much information, and that much of the word. And when you consider the power of the scripture and you consider that volume, you have to just think that there's so many things that can be affected. But I'm always trusting that, that there's at least one thing that God's doing in every person in the room. Now, God is a wonderful multitasker. I mean, he could be doing a thousand things in your heart right now. But I'm always trusting that there's at least one thing happening in every person. And you never know what that one thing is. I mean, you could have, you know, a diverse group of people in the room and they're all being ministered to in a different way and, and for a different purpose. 
But I want to trust and believe that at some point, as we're reading the scripture, at some point, as we're hearing the word, there's something inside of us that's, that's being moved. An awareness of like, you know what, I, I think God was talking to me when that was said, because that's a thing, and I, I want that thing handled, and I want it handled right. Now, the amazing thing is when you're in a room like this with a group of people as wonderful and diverse as this group, you, you never know who's going through what. But the Holy Spirit is such a powerful and effective minister, knowing every single aspect of your life, the things that you need, the things that you want, the presence of joy, the absence of joy, the, the righteousness, the compromise. I mean, he, he sees it all. And I want to pray and trust that, that the effects of this word will be evident in your life immediately, no matter what it is. So there where you stand, you're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or receiving, how, however you choose. But I want to pray for you. And that prayer is prayed from me over you in faith that God is going to do something great. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this congregation that we would come together anticipating your hand moving on our behalf, doing great things in our life, shaping us, molding us, growing us, maturing us, loving us, and leading us as a heavenly father with unconditional love and a wonderful purpose for our lives. Let today be a day of change and transformation in whatever way needed. Let us be equipped to ask in Jesus' name and to seek, removing all distraction and to knock and wait patiently for the Holy Spirit to move in and through our lives for your glory. Wherever there's a conviction concerning anything, let there be a response. Wherever there's a, a, a void or a hunger or an emptiness in us, let us seek after you to see it filled with all those things that are righteous and all of those things that are fruitful. We trust that you love us, that you're ministering to us, that you're raising us and growing us. And let your wonderful effort in our lives be met with embrace, that we wouldn't resist your work, but that we would see as you see that you've called us precious, that you've placed a value upon our lives, not meant to be sold cheaply or squandered, but meant to be celebrated cherished and shared and let the results be health and life in each of us and let that health and that life spill out from our lives onto those around us that your kingdom would be expanded as we live out our lives in celebration of the wonders of your presence your love and your glory in and through our lives we bless you and we thank you in Jesus name all the saints declare and Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.